Highland Shakespeare Festival's Shakespeare Playground presents Tales from the Vomitorium, 38 short stories by Scott Kaiser. At Island Shakespeare Festival, our mission is to provide accessible classical theater realized for a contemporary audience. Tales from the Vomitorium is presented with special permission from Scott Kaiser and is made possible, in part, by support from our sponsors, the Goose Community Grocer, Goosefoot Community Fund, and Whidbey Telecom. Learn more at islandshakespearefest.org. Doppelganger by Scott Kaiser Read by Cameron Gray It's like looking in a mirror, said Ephraim to the man sitting across the corridor. How's that, said Sirius. I said it's like looking in a mirror. The man took a closer look at Ephraim. Oh, yes, I see, said Sirius. Weird, right? Sure, but you know how it is. The casting call said a tall, 25-year-old male with curly brown hair and a muscular build. So it's no accident that we... Oh, I get that, but come on, I mean, look at us. We're practically twins. They were both waiting outside a rehearsal studio at Ripley Greer on 8th Avenue to audition for a role in a new off-Broadway play. Suddenly, the elevator door opened, and out emerged another tall, 25-year-old male with curly brown hair and a muscular build. Wow, said Ephraim, giving the third man the once-over. How's that? asked the man, puzzled. I'm sorry, we were just saying how much we look alike when you came in. Oh, yes, I, I see said Eddie, the third man, looking back and forth between the other two men. But you're like, I don't know, our triplet! Emerging from the men's room, another man joined them. Holy shit, said Ephraim. Excuse me, said the fourth man in a New York, what the fuck is your problem, pal, manner. I said, holy shit, look at us, quintuplets, said Ephraim. Huh, said Stephen, the fourth man. That's fucking crazy. Down the hallway came a fifth man, and a sixth, and a seventh, a twelfth, a fifteenth, a twentieth, a twenty-fourth, all exact look-alikes. This casting agent is one sick motherfucker, exclaimed Ephraim. I mean, who the hell would put together a call like this? She's gotta be looking for twins said Sirius. So then why not call in actual twins? said Eddie. Because this is bizarre. The casting agent, a tall young woman, opened the door and called them all into the studio. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming in. I'm Jack. The two dozen men all muttered an insincere, Good, Good morning, back. You're probably wondering about this project, so I'll tell you what it is. It's a play about a fertility clinic. A fertility clinic? Asked Sirius. Yes, so that's why I've called you all here. So wait, you're hoping to cast all of us? Said Ephraim in disbelief. Yes, exactly, said Jack. 
Because you're all related, we're interested in casting all of you for this project. Related? What do you mean we're all related? Asked Eddie. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew, said Jack. Knew what? Asked Stephen. You all have the same father. Sperm donor number 157, QHB. <laughs> uh, wow, what a what a fun story. Um, yeah, so this is something I think about a lot as an actor, for sure. I mean, and definitely going through school, we talk a lot about type and auditions and what that looks like. And you hear over and over again, like you're gonna you're gonna end up at a commercial or a, you know any other kind of audition, and you're gonna look around and you're gonna see a lot of people that look a lot like you. Um, so it's really fun to see something that's taken that to the next level and um, <laughs> and have all these people that like really look like you. <laughs> and then with that twist at the end, that's um, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I have an interesting uh, relationship to, to type and, and I'm sure uh, most actors do really. Um, I don't really know what my type is. I mean, I guess if I if I. <laughs> read on a casting call you know, six foot four man dark brown hair um then i'd be like yeah that's me <laughs> but other than that who knows honestly i i feel like it could be um kind of relieving to to walk into a room and um and see a bunch of people that look like you because i i feel like when i show up to auditions i spend most of my time like not necessarily worrying about whether i'm good or can can do it i know i can do it but um wondering whether i look right so i i actually think that that i that i would be relieved i can forget about that and now i can sit here and just focus on doing my job it is an interesting part of being an actor though i think and 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 what a fun way to do it as finding out you have 24 other siblings or 23 other siblings um i really enjoy that the Goosefoot Community Fund Goosefoot works together with the South Whidbey community to create essential solutions. We address community needs, connect neighbors, grow local businesses, and preserve great places. Learn more at goosefoot.org. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Vomitorium, 38 Short Stories by Scott Kaiser. This week, we're discussing Doppelganger with Scott, which is uh, based on the Comedy of Errors, one of my favorites, actually. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Alina. I am excited to talk to you about comedy. I, I did not love this play until ISF produced this play, and in reading a lot about this play, I... I kind of fell in love with the themes and ideas around um, this kind of dual identity. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into this. Great. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what inspired this particular take on themes in Comedy of Errors? Well, um, I think every actor has had the experience of uh, going to an audition 
um, and uh, sitting in a waiting room filled with people who are, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, their lookalikes. <laughs> especially um, at Ripley Greer. <laughs> especially at Ripley Greer. And of course, we should uh, explain that, that Ripley Greer on 8th Avenue um, is not something I invented. Any uh, New York actor will have been in that building um, many, many times. Um, it's one of the main audition centers for New York uh, projects, New York actors. Uh, there's several floors of rehearsal studios that are used for auditions, uh, callbacks, and uh, and um, and of course rehearsals. Uh, and we know the halls very very well. Those of us who have haunted those halls. So um, the idea that uh, an actor waiting for an audition will be surrounded by their lookalikes is not uncommon, mainly because a breakdown went out and every agent in town sent out their version of that uh, description. So um, that's a very common experience among actors and something that I really wanted to leverage. And uh, the idea came to me that it would be perfect to apply that to a comedy of errors where we're twins and mistaking um, twins for one another was the, the main theme of the play. Absolutely. I think that Yes, that does happen often. <laughs> you show up and you're like, oh, man, that person looks more like me than I do. <laughs> Only they're more handsome and right. have, have a better resume and a, and a better agent and um, <laughs> all that stuff that goes through your mind when you're looking at yourself across from the waiting, you know, the across from you at the waiting room. It's like, you know, you know, oh, that actor went to Yale. He'll get it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you steal a glance at, at yep. the resume attached to the headshot and you say, oh, well, I'm out. <laughs> Immediately. Exactly. All the stuff that goes through your head, all that, you know, unpleasant stuff that goes through your head um, and all, all that lack of confidence and, uh, um, and self-doubt uh, as you're, you know, sitting in a room full of you know, 10 other versions of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you tell me anything that has struck you in working on this play or um, in in reading it? What what you love about it? Well, it's it's one of the funniest plays I think uh, Shakespeare wrote. Uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's a huge crowd pleaser. Um, I actually played uh, Dromeo years ago um, in uh, I think it was at the Georgia Shakespeare Festival in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, that was that was decades ago, but uh, it was one of um, my favorite characters to play because uh, the Dromeos are just a, a pleasure to play. Um, you know, and I prefer productions where the Dromeos are, are and the um, and the Antiphili are separate actors. Um, OSF did uh, attempt to have um, the same actor play both Dromeos and the same actor play Antiphilus. And um, that, that, in my mind, is a very hard thing to pull off, um, especially because in the final scene, they come together. You've got to figure out some way to get them all on stage together. Um, and uh, that usually means casting doubles. And and if you're going to cast doubles, you might as well have just cast four actors instead of two in the first place. Um, I don't think the festival's version with two actors instead of four was particularly successful, especially the last scene. But I have seen some highly successful versions of this. Um, and it's just a crowd pleaser. It's, it just never fails to, to get the laughs. And uh, 
And Dromeo was one of the, my favorite clowns to play when I was playing clowns. Um, just, you know, the, the laughs were, were surefire. They never missed. Um, and uh, for someone who loved to play uh, physical Lotsi, you know, working out the physical bits, um, you know, it, it, there's so much you can do with those roles that it's, it's just a pleasure. Absolutely. It's, it is endless and so fun to discover in rehearsal what those, what those are. Yeah, you were talking about the um, the end being really challenging when you try to have the same actor uh, play both versions of of Dromeo and of uh, Antiphilus. And I think the payoff at the end when you see the four come together and and have this moment of recognition when you even even if they look so much alike through the rest of the play and um, you, you, there's still a different energy of a different human. And when they come together at the end, the payoff is so excellent of this, this recognition and this, like the uniting of these two sides of the same person. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, mean, I think um, <clears throat> for a movie version, maybe you get the same actor to play both roles, but for, for theater, we know that, <laughs> we we know that finding twins is hard and uh um and we're ready to accept that i mean it's silly to think that uh the audience uh has a problem with that uh um i mean the entire setup of the play is absurd anyway uh so <laughs> i mean once yes. you're willing to embrace the, the i mean when you really think about the circumstances that is set up on in the first four pages of the play if you're willing to accept those circumstances um, that they, you know, they were torn apart at sea and, and they went their separate ways and that they don't immediately, now that they're in the same town, think, wait a minute, maybe that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why don't they have that thought? They know they're missing uh, their other halves. So, you know, the, the play really stretches um, credulity. And because it does that, what's the problem with having two actors who don't look exactly the same? For me, that's just part of the fun of it. It's uh, To me, it's just not necessary. Um, you know, in the same vein, I've seen Twelfth Night, where they try to have the same uh, actress play both Sebastian and Viola. And then the, in the end, they try to solve it with, with screens or... Um, and but the problem with that is is it robs the audience of the inevitable joy of the reunion, um, and you do need two human beings in space embracing one another and and spinning one another and kissing one another for the reunion to be joyous and for the two hours traffic to actually, uh, you know, culminate in in a joyful reunion, um, and the just. You know the doubling just makes that uh, makes that work so beautifully, um, and um, uh, single actors it's it's almost impossible to pull that off. Right. Well, and and when the audience has been you know participating in this suspension of disbelief and saying like, okay, we're going along with this. We know these people aren't really related, but we're playing along. And and then you know the energy builds of this like. No, that they're right there. Oh, you just missed them. They just left, or whatever it is. Then at the end, there, it's just like, it's palpable for everyone. This like, oh, finally, and and the hilarity of having not like figured it out already is is the joy of the whole thing. I think it makes it so fun. 
Um, no, it's it's the silliness that makes uh, to makes it an enjoyable evening. It's it's just so silly, uh, and the sillier the better. And um, it you know the entertainment value is. I mean, there's not a lot of <clears throat> redeeming cultural value to the play. You know, it doesn't have a lot to say, but but who cares? It's it's just fun. You know, and frankly, given what we've been through, um, you know in the in the recent past is just the the idea of just going to a theater to to have fun and forget yourself and have some laughs uh, sounds like a great idea to me right now yeah well just going to the theater sounds pretty cool i'll just go sit in it with other people i don't really there can be nothing really happening on stage and that would be fine but um yes going to the theater to to just laugh and and enjoy some storytelling is yeah <laughs> think something we are all craving and definitely this will be one of those that I think we see a lot of in in the next couple of years because it is so delightful and it's it doesn't ask us to like dig too deep I think you're right I think when we uh, when we come out of this that comedies are going to be very popular um and and rightly so um the other thing I wanted to say about this story is that uh, it was, in fact, inspired by, um, you know, an article um, now because of genetic testing and um, the confidentiality rules being changed in the fertility clinics that there are, in fact, we know of uh, um, uh, men who turn out to be uh, the, the father of, uh, of a large brood of, of people <laughs> that were born um, as a result of their contribution. So uh, that, that's part of, the, part of the leap off for me. I think I was reading an article about, the, uh, about a fertility clinic that, uh, um, that uh, released information um, and uh, um, a man finding out that he had an enormous number of children out there in the world. That would be so jarring. <laughs> it, it would be jarring, yes. It would. And and for the the characters in the story to be sitting there and to like have this realization. <laughs> yes, and of course, you know, the just the the casting person um being the one to tell them that I love right. the kind of the bureaucratic uh, misstep there that no one bothered to tell any of these <laughs> <laughs> any of these men what was actually going on and they had to find out, you know, through just a um a passing comment from the casting director. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> that sounds like real life, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> could be. Well, thank you so much, Scott. It's been a delight as always. Thank you, Alina. It's always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Vomitorium, 38 short stories by Scott Kaiser. Our thanks to our sound engineer and composer, Orion Michael Schwamm. This episode was sponsored in part by Clyde and Marsha Monma, as well as the Goose Community Grocer, Goosefoot Community Fund, and Whitby Telecom. Support us and learn more at islandshakespearefest.org. <laughs>